0: Isn't it incredible how God works sometimes? This week, we're going to talk about an unlikely series of events that can only be described as providential. This is The Engaging Missions Show, Episode 219 with Robert Drucker.
1: Welcome to The Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian
0: Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by, and welcome to the show. We want to provide a way for thousands of people to hear a message, make connections, and take action. This week, we're going to be talking about cross-cultural missions within the United States, advocating for those who are the most vulnerable, God's ability to give us purpose, and how God can use unlikely events to have incredible impact. This week, I do have for you a podcast recommendation by Missional Audio, and I also have an announcement for you at the end of the show, so make sure that you stick around for that. I want to welcome some new people, Steve, Carol, Jeremy, Alejandra, Emmanuel, and Joe, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. If you're listening right now, welcome. It's great to have you. If you haven't yet liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page, visit facebook.com slash engaging missions to connect there. Now, before we get into today's episode, I do want to just mention that I am coming to the close of a fundraiser for Global Initiative. This is an organization that provides resources for Christians to engage Muslims, provides training and all kinds of things like that. If you'd like to be part of what they're doing, visit engagingmissions.com slash fund16 to find out more. Now, as I transition to our time with our guest, just I'd, I'd like to encourage you to pay special attention to how God really brought things full circle in his Life and what God's doing now. All right, today I am incredibly excited to be sitting with Bob Drucker. He's a cross cultural ministry with All Saints Episcopal Church in Smyrna, Tennessee. We're going to talk some some about what God's done in his life and the opportunities that he's seen, but in particular, He's ministering to the Karen people, which are refugees from Myanmar or from Burma. And so, Bob, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you so
0: much. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure. You know, as we were chatting before we started recording, you were showing me some of the pictures of, you called them your children, some of the, the people that you've ministered to. And I, I was really struck by how much love that you have for them. Can Can you maybe share a little bit about what God's done in your heart as you've begun ministering to them?
2: Well, in, in in the novel, the All Saints novel, they say that I had left the church at seventeen. Okay, and it wasn't until the Corinne came hmm. that I got back in the church. Wow, which is like ten years ago, and okay. I'm I'm seventy eight right now, so I was out of the out of the church for for almost <laughs> almost a century. Yeah, you know, and when I fi- finally met the Corinne, I had about 30, 35 at, at the middle school where I was working, and they were all from, this, from Smyrna. Okay. Of course, they were all from Smyrna, and I started ESL uh, with them, helping them. Right. And do their lessons and, and learn, learn, and so I spent the last, well, the 10 years, last 10 years with them, and of course, I was at, at Laverne High School before that. mm and then when I found out about them, I said, I want to be over there. So they <laughs> transferred me from Laverne High over to Smyrna Middle. And that's where I, I you know, I met, got to know them. Yeah. And I kind of drifted over toward the church. It had just become or it was on the, on the edge of becoming an official mission. Okay. Because they, according to, you know, in the movie it shows that the church had like 20 people that, has split up, and there was like twenty of the faithful, you know, okay. still there. Of course, they couldn't. They had like a, over a million dollars in debt mm. for the property and the church, and right. And the whole thing came came to where right about the time that Corinne came, they had sent a minister, a, a priest down to sell it, sell the property. Oh, okay. And I mean, they, they came so close to being sold. Yeah. When about seventy. Karen people came, said so we just came from Burma, and the refugee camps in Thailand, and we want to know if we can go to your church, to mm. this church, and they said, so of course, yeah. you know, and they literally saved the church. They, they they farmed, okay, that twenty acres. They farmed it and they sold the vegetables and they donated all the things, all the things that they grew. Kept I think ten percent of for themselves.
3: Mm.
2: It just went from there and. Then we started finding jobs. Oh, another thing that happened too is uh, a major chicken packing company here. Okay, and the, the biggest chicken packing company had just lost the majority of their people. Oh, because ICE had raided the 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 factory. Okay, and
0: that's the Immigration Service. Yeah.
2: Okay. They came in and and totally closed down the the packing plant because they had illegal oh. un, undocumented aliens working there. Okay. So then, you know, we told them. I said, "Look, you don't have to worry about immigration coming to if you use these folks, right, to work there. You don't have to worry about them being kicked out of the country and yeah. having to close down." So they they started hiring them and picking them up and helping a lot. So, you know, that, that kind of helped us mm-hmm. also and we finally was able to convince the diocese that we needed to be uh be a an official mission. Okay. That there that way the Episcopal Diocese of Tennessee would support
3: mm-hmm.
2: pay the priests and support you know, support the church, pay the bills. They actually paid off over a million dollars of the debt. Wow. And they just cleared the debt out, donated we say, we need we need a van. Two three days later, we'd have a van. Yeah, you know it was awesome. It was just like, you know, like, like, like gifts from right from right out of the of heaven coming mm-hmm. to us. And then they, we we got them Medicare and I'm mean, a to help with you know their yeah. their bills and things. And we've had a lot of them finally get their five years in. And I I think I've successfully completed seven citizenships. Wow. And, you know, it's a little hard for me because I get so frustrated when, <laughs> when they don't respond when they, like they I think they should, you know, they, they being the government or the, yeah. Okay. Immigration service right. citizenship is, is was taking me like three months. And I had this one girl that I showed you a picture of. Yeah. She was dragging on 10 months and they were giving us a runaround. So I, I finally got to very tired of that, mm. and I, I wrote to our senator, and he, he assigned one of his aides in Nashville mm. to look at it. Within a month, she yeah. had everything. She had her date, she had her <laughs> test, she had her citizenship. You know, but I, I, my heart is not that great uh-huh. to, to, you know, to be able to handle those things very often. Sure, you know but uh, we we i've did we've did done seven and mostly in that one the one yeah. family three i think in that one family
1: wow
0: uh, you know what, one of the things that really stands out to me as you're sharing that is a lot of times i hear things about how the the church needs to get out there and do something right the church doesn't need to you know that the, there's a perception that all we do is talk, and we don't ever actually do anything. And what I'm hearing here is how God brought people to you that mm-hmm. ended up not only saving the church, but then you've also had the opportunity to be a huge part of their lives. And that man, I love that. I I wish we could hear more of that. Yeah, it doesn't exist in very many
2: places. I think in our in ten, Tennessee we have four, Corinth missions. Okay, and we actually have fifty churches. Okay, you know fifty churches, but we only four of them are missions
0: and is that within the episcopal diocese that' yes. they're, okay episcopal
2: yeah. diocese, and I think they they said we had like sixteen thousand members in on mm. uh, those fifty churches, yeah, and four of them are missions wow, so all the, oh, the rest of them support our yeah. mission, you know, send us priests and you know and we we even they even Got us, a brought us a, a family whose father, like the, the little girl I told you, that's mm-hmm. engaged to my, her brother's engaged to my granddaughter. Do- yeah. yeah. He was a priest. Okay. Ordained Anglican priest. And he came with his family to us. Okay. So we have, we have not only have an Anglo priest, we have a Corinne priest.
0: Very cool. Now, now the the movie that you referenced, maybe not everybody's going to know what that is. Can you share what what movie are we talking about here?
2: The movie is called All Saints and it was put on by Sony. Okay. Sony Pictures. They came. Of course, they talked, they've been talking to us about five years and they had a dream. Oh, we want to make this movie about the church and, Mm -hmm. you know, and the saving of them, saving the church and the farming. And so they, you know, we had been talking to representatives from Sony hmm. and they finally said, look, we got a cast. We got a wonderful cast. We want to do a drama. Okay. You know, and so we made it three or four months ago. Mm-hmm. They came from, I forgot the other two companies, but they're like three companies that worked on it. Okay. And they set up. Almost like a small studio okay. with vans and dressing rooms and <laughs> all that stuff. They repainted the church and oh, changed yeah? it around a little bit. They didn't like it. And they, you know, and they, they it, but nobody knew that they were here. Okay. It was, took it. Took them about two months. Okay. To make, to make this movie. And they hid all the equipment down. There's a hill behind the church. It's our property. Yeah. And they hid everything back behind, in the woods, behind the woods, Mm -hmm. so the people from the street didn't have any idea what was going on. Yeah. And they made this movie, and then they released it, and they put it in the theaters in Smyrna, in the the theater in Smyrna, Mm -hmm. and they called us and said, we're going to do a premiere of the movie. Normally, our premieres are done in Hollywood, somewhere in Hollywood. Everybody's got to go out there if they want to see it. Sure, of course. They brought the whole cast here. Did they really? To Smyrna to the to the theater. And did the premiere and they had like 100 spots. Okay. So we, we put in for the spots and got the spots and we went. We went there and met uh, met uh, met the, met the cast. And they they had paid a lot of our a lot of our kids are in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, they they paid well, my my granddaughter she got a little check or four checks. And, okay. You know, most of the, are our uh, Corinne kids that you see <laughs> are part of our, part of our church. And some of the, uh, oh, oh, the elders are in it okay. also. Of course, they don't have speaking parts because they're not in the union. You oh, know, right. Yeah. That union that
0: the actors guild or the something. actors guild. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, they played maj- a major part in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it, they say it's the, the ratings are really good. Okay, you know, right now, it could be better if we weren't all interested in 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 zombies and all this other stuff that's <laughs> going on. You know, yeah. people are more interested in not not going to see a religious story. Yeah, they want to see one of those things that change from cars to people. You know, that transformer. transformers, transformers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, they're more interested in that kind of stuff. So, but I mean, it put us on the map. Yeah. yeah. People, people are, are, are transferring from other, other states back to us. Really? Not a lot. Okay. But they, they really want to be back with us. Yeah. And so, so we've, we've picked up some extra people. Corinne from, like, California and other tribes we, we want to come here now. that They know who we are. Yeah. You know, and I think we're getting more response on the job jobs available really i think i think they're now that they know we're here they didn't they didn't nobody knew we were here sure you know right down the street <laughs> yeah they were here i keep saying we but yeah so now we're getting i i think what happened too is some of the locals were saying you know you got to have a high school education mm. before we can give you a job and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know and it was just a Keep them from getting jobs, oh, okay. you know, holding back, holding back on it. But now it seems like they're they're they're, they're kind of glad to see them. Yeah, you know, my my son-in-law, future son-in-law, he finished school, high school here, and he went into Tennessee Tech mm-hmm. in in Murfreesboro, auto mechanics. Within a year after he started, Beeman Beeman Dodge. Okay. Came to the school, asked for him by name. Really? Interviewed him, gave him a job. <laughs> now, he's, he, he's, now he's a top-notch, mecha- I think he's a top-notch mechanic. That's great. At Beam and Dodge. And he's, they sent him to, I think he's been down to Georgia, mm. Atlanta, three or four times, maybe five times, learning about the new stuff they're getting in. Mm-hmm. And they sent him down to learn how to work on the Fiat's, Okay. When they took over Fiats, he is an outstanding mechanic, wow. as far as as far as what I'm hearing. Yeah. So he'll be a good son-in-law.
1: Yeah.
0: You know. So so ten plus years of doing this. When you when you were doing that, were you ever doing that thinking, I'm I'm transforming lives that this is really making a difference in people's lives, or is this just the result of being faithful? How does that play out in your in your mind? Well, can I go a little background? Yeah, go for it i i was i was from los angeles okay
2: i went the, i spent six years in the military air force and and, and the army national Guard hmm. and I was a deputy sheriff in Los Angeles for seven years when I got out of the service and then it, we went back to spain and then i i worked for the air Force as a civilian okay i was a fire chief civilian and fire chief on an all military fire department. And then I came back to the District of Columbia government, worked for them in corrections, and then I went from there to the Federal Bureau of Prisons.: Really. So and I, until I retired. And then I, I came back from Virginia, came down to Tennessee. OK. and went into working for Nissan for a, about 10 years, hmm. and then till the Korean came you know okay. and then i started I, I got a job with the schools and was was that why you got a job with the schools because of the korean i th- no i got a job with the schools cuz i spoke fluent spanish oh okay you know i i i wanted a job anyway my wife was working at the country club and she couldn't work anymore okay so I, she said i i can't do this anymore cuz she was coming home late at night hmm. you know from the club server and I said, well, if you're going to be home, I'm going to find a job. Mm-hmm. So I, I just called the substitute okay. people, which is like a private employment agency, and they handle those. And I said, I speak fluent Spanish. And they said, well, why don't you talk to the school okay. themselves? And I did. I talked to the personnel lady at school, and she said, Do you speak Spanish? And I said, <laughs> Yeah. She said, Wait a minute. So she put on the head of the ESL program, mm-hmm. and she says, so, Well, can you come in and talk to me? And I said, when do you want me to come? And she said, right now. And I said, well, can I take a shower first? <laughs> and she said, "Yeah, yeah, please do. <laughs> so I went in there and we talked for about 15 minutes. And she said, as far as I'm concerned, I'm happy. I'd already retired. I was retired, uh-huh. you know, and bored as tears, you know. So I started with them and mm. and luckily I ended up, with the Korean people, yeah, but I had I had Hispanic people also, okay. you know, and 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 from all the, all the groups, and then then I decided, I called this head missioner of the Episcopal Church. Mm. He was the vicar at Saint James Episcopal Church in New York. Oh, okay, Queens, New York. And I said, look, I'd like to be a missionary. What is it that I have to do to, to be, be a missionary? And he said, what are you doing now? And I told him, I said, I'm working with Korean people. And this, he said, well, I, I'm in charge of the Episcopal Asia-America Ministries. <laughs> and we have, we're worldwide. Mm. If you're from any part of Asia, we we help you. And he said, and you're working with who are you working with? And I said, the Karen people from Burma. And he said, Well, you're already a missionary. Yeah. <laughs> so we just went from there. Yeah. And that's that's you know that's how I get. And I guess it's been not not quite ten years since I started with them. And you know, but I, but I said he said, Do you have a can? Do you have a passport? And I said, No. Says I can't travel. I'm too old. <laughs> <He> just, <laughs> He said, "Well, just stay right there. You're doing fine. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right great. there. Well, we 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 talk, we communicate. Yeah. He put me on the list, official list of missionaries for that particular ministry. Okay. And then, well, says we have separate ministries to go along with. What are you interested in? And I said, well, mainly civil rights.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, civil rights for for them. And so I've I I that's the main one of my main objects in that ministry is to Make sure these folks get a square deal,
3: Yeah,
2: you know, with their, with their, and, and help them with their citizenship when they have trouble, hmm. you know, and keep every, try to keep people on their toes and, and, and honest, you know. Yeah. And because I said, I'm a retired cop. Nobody likes retired cops. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. You know, so I, I uh, said, well, I should have been doing this. Minister, missionary stuff. Mm -hmm. I was offered when I was at seventeen. I was offered by the church I was in, full, full coverage for Pacific Bible Seminary in California, and I said, Ah, (laughs) I want to be, I want to be a missionary. I mean, I want to be a soldier, you know, and Uh get gung ho and all that kind of stuff. And so I did. But you know what? I could have been uh, done that and become a chaplain. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and, and went in the military then, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm glad I, am glad I, I, the course I took maybe not the best one, but it got me my wife. Sure. I had went and found her in Spain. She just, she just died in May. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She was 84.
0: I remember that your wife or your daughter had said that yeah. she had recently died, but I didn't know the date.
2: Right. Yeah. She was 84. Okay. And, uh, she, she had a massive heart, uh, heart attack. Oh. And she never stood in my way. Mm-hmm. She, she didn't really want to go with me to church because she was, had been a, a Roman Catholic. Okay. You know, but she put up with everything that I was doing mm-hmm. all the way through the 58 years we were married. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As you're sharing your story and some of the, the interesting turns that it took, right? Being offered the seminary or some, something like that mm-hmm. years and years ago and then coming basically full circle back to that. Back to it. I just see some years later. I see God's sovereign moment. hand in that. I mean, it's just—I do too. It's incredible.
2: I do too. I, th- I, I I keep seeing little things when I said, you know, somebody's <laughs> doing something for me. Yeah. You know, uh, and I really feel that it was God looking out for us. Yeah. You know, and keeping me going. You know, and yeah. guiding us. Like I say, I've had several jobs since leaving. You know, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. but nothing has been as sat- rewarding and satisfactory as, as you know, being in, in this. Right. And now I said, you know, I'm, I finally got tired of the school because what was happening was all my Korean kids were growing up. Okay. Yeah. And getting out of school and we're not bringing any more new ones in. Right. You know, so I, w- I wasn't seeing, I went to meet the bus this last semester bringing the kids from Smyrna Elementary over who was going to come transferred mm. to see how many Caribbean kids, one kid out of that whole bus wow. was coming. And she didn't even need ASL because she'd okay. been through the whole primary school yeah. thing, you know, and she spoke fine. But I said, now they don't need me anymore <laughs> over here. <laughs> yeah. I'll go off in a different direction.
0: Now- you, you mentioned sometimes that there's a little bit of frustration you're, as you're helping people get their paperwork done or you know, yes. some of the things that happen. I'm wondering when, when things get do get frustrating or do get hard, what is it that keeps you going?
2: I guess I'm just stubborn. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like to hear people, you know, especially having worked with the federal government. Mm. I was able to see how they operated. Okay. And I, I don't, some of the stuff I just don't like. Mm-hmm and And one is one is giving refugees a lot of problems, okay, legal problems is fine, but other problems were dragging their feet or doing you know yeah. on on applications which shouldn't take more than two and a half three months mm. you know and on and on and then when you call them, they they give you some kind of a runaround story. you know all oh, you gotta wait you gotta it's coming, <laughs> you go, wait, it's coming, it's ten months yeah. wow, <laughs> you know. And so I, you have to put a, you have to get, you know, sharpen up the point of your boots mm-hmm. now and then and put, put it where it will do most good. Yeah.
0: You, you, you mentioned that with, with the, the school year starting now that there was only one Corinne student coming into the, the, yeah. the middle school. Do, do you see any changes coming on your, in your future?
2: Well, I decided to get away from there. Okay. So I quit this semester, beginning of the okay. semester, I said, I'm not going back. I just went back to retirement because I retired in 94 <laughs> and I never stopped working. I yeah. had all these other jobs and this and that. And, you know, and I said, finally, I'm going to retire. Mm. But I needed something to do, Yeah, you know, to keep my brain from going foggy again. So I, I I'm working over at what's the name of the TriStar? What's the name of this hospital? I can oh. Now I had worked there, but I don't remember the name Stonecrest? half the time. Stonecrest. Yeah. Yeah. I I volu- I said, I want to volunteer. And the lady says, Well come over and talk to me. So she she put put me as a volunteer in the same day surgery okay. at Stonecrest. And I could work every day if I wanted but I said, No, nah, just, just just four hours. So well, most of our volunteers only work four hours, uh-huh. but they can work more. And I said, Hey. She said, I got one that's going to keep you mobile, keep you moving a lot. (laughs) I said, well, okay. I can, you know, see how long I can handle that. She said, I'll put you in same-day surgery, Mm. Friday from 8 in the morning, seven thirty eight, whatever you want, until 12. And all you do is man the the desk in the same-day surgery waiting room. Okay. People come in, hand me a paper. I call the nurse and tell them they're here and and they're in such and such a room and I I take them back to the room. Mm -hmm. And it seems like everybody over there, the doctors, the nurses, all call me by my first name. Okay. And it looks like they like me. Yay. And I have never had a job (laughs) like that where where I feel like, man, they, they, they care. That's great. You know, and one lady even mentioned this. Mom, I think I read something about in in a book, in that book about you, and I said, yeah, you probably did. <laughs>
0: it's there? Did, did you ever think that you'd end up a character in a movie or no? In
2: <laughs> no, I didn't. In fact, there's a there's a old guy in the movie that's a gruff old man, okay, driving the tractor and all that kind of stuff. I he is actually fictional, okay, that particular character, but we do have old guys. Old, old Anglo guys driving the tr— you know, dr- okay. driving the tractor, but they're not mean like that guy was <laughs> in the movie, you know. But he turned out really good, and I felt kind of silly because when at the movie premiere, mm-hmm. I went up to talk to him and I said, "Isn't Barry? What's this guy's name? I can't remember this. Anyway, his name is—I oh, forgot. But anyway." I have lapses of memory sometimes on names. Anyway, I said, "Mary, I used to watch your movies when I when I was young mm. and all this kind of stuff." And you know, I watched the old cowboy movies and stuff. And he says, "How old are you?" Seventy eight. <laughs> he says, "Well, I'm seventy seven. How could you possibly be watching my my movies when you were a young guy?" That's funny. <laughs> yeah, Cor- Cor- Barry Corbin. Okay. You know, and and then this guy is is John Corbett. Okay, this is the you know so cool. Yeah, it it, it's it's been fun. It really is, and I'm gonna I keep praying that I won't that I still can see some of these children, the kids, Mm -hmm. the girls that are pregnant and coming going to have their babies, and I want to be around for that. Yeah, you know, of course, then my granddaughter, she's in college now. This is her second year. She wants to be a scientist. Like I, I studied, I forgot what see? what she's taking, uh, biology, taking where well, you learn about the background of people.
1: Okay. Like like ancestry. Anth- anthrop-
2: Anthropology?
1: Anthropologist.
2: Okay. Cultural anthropologist. Like uh-huh. she wants to do, she wants to go and study in uh, abroad for okay. eight weeks or something like that, and which is part of the curriculum. But she wants to do that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And then another minute, she'll say, "I want to be a stay-at-home mom." You know, <laughs>
0: whoa! I remember being young. Yeah, vaguely remember yeah. being young.
2: Yeah, but I, I, I'm anxious to see how beautiful her children are going to be. You know, the mixed mm. the mixed yeah. marriages, because right now I have my wife is Spanish from Spain, mm-hmm. and then Tisha's husband is half Japanese. Okay, right. You know and then now my granddaughter will be half Korean okay you know his Masawa's sister she said when are you going to be my grandpa i want you to be my grandpa and i said well <laughs> when they get married i will be you yeah. know but i said you you call me grandpa anyway yeah and they so the word for grandpa some of some all almost all of the korean call me grandpa even the old people mm and the word for grandpa is poo poo. <laughs> <laughs> I can't then, tell
0: that to my son.
2: <laughs> no, and then, and then but the word for grandma is pee pee.
0: Uh oh. <laughs>
2: so I said, well, I, you know, so they call me. I said, I don't care what you call me, just call me, yeah, poo poo or grandpa. And they all call me grandpa over there.
0: When, when we were chatting a little bit before the we before we started talking. We we talked a little bit about some of the experiences that people have before they've you know as they were leaving, and I would I would suspect that the overall experience is not singularly related to the Korean people. Their experience is somewhat unique. But can you share a little bit about that background so we can understand a little bit better what it's like to come here?
2: Well, the America is not on the minds of people to come to come here if they have a whole bunch of countries. America's not their first choice. Really? Who would they pick? Well, what's happening is some of the people, their own people, will tell them they eat Korean people. They oh. taste like pork. <laughs> you know, and then they'll say, and Arnold is going to be at the airport in Bangkok when you get there mm. to see you off in... A lot of the people will just say, no, I'm not going
0: there. Okay. You know. So it doesn't have a lot to do with reality. It's just what they're being told.
2: Yeah. Okay. What they're being told. They don't know. They they think the world is, all they do is see a jungle all around them, you know, sure. and and soldiers trying to kill them. Hmm. You know, they see that. And like Basawa, my, my, my future son-in-law, his mom and dad left, went across the river looking for food. Mm-hmm. And, the Burmese soldiers attacked the village. Okay, burned the village. Hmm. The only thing that saved him is he he fell into a pit. All the houses had to have like a like a, a pit where they could would that they dug up under the house or, or there where they could get in when they were being shelled. Okay, by the by the soldiers because they were only like a, a quarter of a kilometer from the Burmese border in okay. the camps and they would shell shoot over the sh- shell over mortars and things over top of the ha- the hills into the camp hmm. and they killed a lot of people like that and then they then they would burn it okay when they go in and kill anybody that was you know still alive mm-hmm. so the only ones that survived were the ones who've hidden the jungles mm-hmm. and they they made their way into we have nine we have I keep saying we Well, we do <laughs> No, we have, there are nine refugee camps right now, on uh, on the border. Okay. Quarter of a mile over into the Thailand border. Okay. But they're still even the Thai soldiers keep them locked up in in barbed wire f- structures, you know, mm-hmm. fences, and they can't go out. If they go out, they can be shot. Okay. Every two hundred meters, they have a guard shack all around the camp. So you can't. They can't leave. They can't go in the jungle and find find you know fresh vegetables. Uh-huh. They get from the consortium. They get every every month. They get like so many cans, little cans of rice per person, and the kids get less than you know less than the adults. It, it's rationed, mm-hmm. and the rations are getting meager, meager, and meager. They only take a census in January, mm-hmm. and that's what they base your rations on. Okay. But if you come in February, you missed the count, so you don't get any rations. So really? the other people that are already there have to keep those people alive mm-hmm. until the next census. Wow. They, they you know, it's 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 they don't have anything to do. They they just they don't want them to learn anything. You know, they they go send the kids to school and they learn Burmese. Okay. You know, and, they don't really want them to be, in, you know, have an education. And like, and like I say, they, they have been. They can. They they do shoot them mm-hmm. if they are caught outside. Okay. The the, re, the refugee camps. And now they've closed down immigration, so their family members that were left behind can't come. Oh wow! You know, with with this new, right control and they, they, they said in 2015 the immigration policy for Burma was going to end hmm. and I think it did because we're not getting anybody from Burma wow at all from the camps so and a lot of these folks have the, their grandmas and that's why I think why they 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 treat me so well is because <laughs> man, there's no old people yeah you know they've all been killed in in the in, in by the by the soldiers or are locked up and can't get, they, uh, some of them just don't want to come. Okay. You know, but there's others that would come if they had the opportunity. But, mm. you know, but it's a daily, and some of them have are born in the, some of my kids were born in the camps. Okay. They think that's, that's the whole world. Mm. They see airplanes go over, but they don't know where they're coming from or mm-hmm. anything about them. They see, they, they look around and all they see is mountains and jungles mm-hmm. all around them. You know, so it's, it's, it's really, really, really a, a meager, meager existence for them.
0: So w- when they're coming, obviously they have needs as far as learning English and having somebody to yes. advocate for them yeah. and helping them find jobs. Are there also emotional or spiritual needs that need to be met?
2: Most of the Korean... Not Muslim. Uh, they they they're either Buddhist, okay, animist, okay, Christian, mm-hmm. and very few Muslim. Okay. So in the camps, they have little churches for each group. Okay. In the same camp, they may have churches for the Buddhists. You know, and okay. and, and, and the major problem I too too is that they have to be careful because the the government, the military government of Burma, is Buddhist. Right. You know, so uh, now we have had some families who came to us as Buddhists, have converted mm-hmm. and gotten, you know, became a Anglican Episcopal, you know, Episcopalians and, and got baptized and stuff. Wow. Yeah. Most of them come from Buddhism. I don't know of anybody that was actually, actually animist. Okay. You know, where they believe in animal spirits and stuff. But that's prevalent there too
0: well as we as we draw this to a close, I'm just wondering with what you have going on in your life and the what you're, where you're ministering now, how can we best pray for you? Just give me strength to keep going, okay, you know, like I say, I thought sure I was going to
2: die before my wife did because mm-hmm. she's six years older than me, okay, well I just want to live to see these people thriving and surviving, and if you want to pray for that part mm-hmm. of it and to keep them safe. That would be yeah, my, no. my, my, my one. I don't need anything for me, <laughs> but just to keep me alive, you
3: know? Yeah.
2: Or make it, I mean, I don't want to be alive and not be able to do anything, sure. you know, be a vegetable, but keep me, keep me active and as nasty as I am, <laughs> you know?
0: So, well, yeah, that, that's great. So for for those of you that are listening, I'd like to just encourage you to take a minute right now, go ahead and pause this, and pray for Bob and for the Corinne people that God would do exactly what he's asking, that there would be that strength and that vitality and that, that there would continue to be advocates for them, to, to advocate for them in government or in jobs or whatever, people to come alongside them. Not, as as we've seen in the story about the church, not so much because they're a people in need because they are, but we also need them. Because God does amazing things when we do that. I'd like to encourage you to do that. And then just stop by the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Bob Drucker. We'll have some links there for you and everything else like that. Just really appreciate you being here. And Bob, thank you so much.
2: You're most welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Man, wasn't Robert just amazing? I absolutely loved what he shared I mentioned that I'm going to have an announcement for you, but before I get to that, I do have a podcast recommendation for you, brought to you by missionalaudio.com. This week's podcast recommendation is Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. Strike the Match with J.D. Payne is a podcast devoted to matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Each episode challenges listeners to be students of both God's Word and God's Word and God's world. This is a great podcast. I'm subscribed to it, and I'd like to recommend that you, at very least, check it out. You can find a link in the show notes to find this at missionalaudio.com. Take a minute to check it out, and if you like it, make sure that you subscribe so that you can receive what God has for you through this podcast. I really hope that you enjoy the Engaging mission show and that it's really valuable for you, but I do want to let you know that I'm planning to take the month of December off from publishing. I feel like it's time for me to take a little bit of time to kind of reset some priorities, to take some time with my family and get some stuff realigned there because I've been taking some family time to do the show and I want to give some of that back And then also to think about the direction of the show and and where I should take it next. I've got some ideas about things that I might change or tweak, and I'm I'm hoping to have some time to do that. I'm also hoping to reach out with you and create a stronger connection so that we can continue to go forward. Now, not to worry, I, I do plan to come back to the show. In fact, I have interviews scheduled throughout November and December that will be publishing in January. So I am planning to come back after December, but I feel like it is time for me to take this time. And I would just like to encourage you and ask you for your prayers in this, that I would hear from God and that I would have His heart about this show and what I should do with it next, and that He would be the strength that I draw from. I do feel like I've been kind of drawing from my own strength recently, and let me just tell you that I am sorely wanting in the area of strength, especially in places where God should be that strength. So I'm just asking for your prayers through this time. It's not a bad thing. This, in my mind, is actually a really good thing. I think that it's timely. I've been doing this nearly four years, and I have yet to take even a single week off from publishing. So I think it's probably time for me to do this. My hope and my prayer is that this will come back stronger, more focused, more valuable for you, and more powerful for the kingdom. I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Bob Drucker for taking the time to be with us, and also to you for joining us. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Bob Drucker. That's where you're going to find links to valuable resources, as well as timestamps for some of the things that we talked about. Really great resource there at the at the show notes. Make sure that you come back next week. We're going to be hearing from Jeremy Roachford about how he was a worship leader in a church plant until he reached a breaking point. Now God's transitioned him to something else and we're gonna talk about building teams, about worship, and then also about that transition. Make sure that you visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe to subscribe to the show. That way you won't miss this. And if you found this valuable, please help us spread the word. You might be the person that God uses to create a connection, deepen a relationship, or provide valuable resources as you sow into his kingdom. Thank you one more time for being here. I really appreciate you, and I look forward to connecting again next week.
1: Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.